It's Saturday morning, everybody. Good to be with you. Hope you can hear me okay. Hope you had a, a little bit of rest, my friends. If you were not here last, how many are, were not here last night? You arrived today. Anybody here that was not yesterday? Or if you were here yesterday and you've already forgotten everything we shared, allow me to just simply say we wanted to establish two things. Two things we wanted to make clear and establish. Number one, there's a concept. There's a concept called the abundant life. The abundant life. It's offered in and through, brought to you by the Lord Jesus Christ. He reminds us, and we saw it in John chapter 10, that, that he, he's our good shepherd, the one who is willing to lay down his life for us. He wants us to have life. He came to give us life and to have life abundantly to the fullest. And that means right now, and that means uh, in glory to come. In Christ and in Christ alone, you have the opportunity to have the abundant life now and glory to come. And we wanted to establish that last night. Really, the theme of the weekend is that one life to live. Let's go. I also wanted to make sure you understood last night the reality of death. Before we can really get after living the abundant life, we have to deal with death. The Word of God tells us that everybody's going to die. And then there's judgment to come. And so I know it's Saturday morning, and I know you haven't slept a lot, but I want you to still nevertheless think about that all-important thing, the all-important subject matter of death. How are you going to deal with death? We see it all the time. I mentioned last night, I'm, I'm reminded weekly, if not more than that, of people that I know, that I have some kind of connection with, that uh, have passed away. And so how, how do you deal with death? I didn't say, state this clearly or as thoroughly as I wanted to last night, but if you are, if you are a Christian... If you are a Christian and you know it, you're here this, this morning and you've trusted in Christ, this is what is true of you. You have been born twice and will die only once. At best, the Lord comes for the church. You don't experience death. I'd rather that. How about you? But for a believer, you're born twice. The date you were born, your birthday, happy birthday, and the day that you're born again. So for a believer, you're born twice and die once at best. If you're not a Christian, if you never trust in Christ, the reality is this. You're born once and you die twice. And the second death that we find in the book of Revelation describes the reality of them being cast into the lake of fire, a place of eternal torment. And so before we can talk about Romans 6, 1 through 14, which is going to be our, our laser focus in the next two sessions, I wanted to make sure that we establish the fact of the abundant life, but also the reality of death. I want to ask you this question before our uh, second Momo. I want to ask you this question. Do you have a place in this book? that you could take your Bible and come show me and say, here's how I deal with death. This is what I know God says about it. This is why I don't have to be afraid of it. This is why I have confidence that I will not experience double death. 
This is what the word of God says. Are you able to do that? I'm asking you. I would love for you, I would love for you to come tell me. I'll be around today. Uh, I would love to uh, hear from you. Come tell me and say, say to me, hey, John, here's the thing. This is where I go to in the word of God. This is the page I turn to that gives me assurance of eternal life that describes the reality of my security in Christ and in Christ alone. How are you going to deal with death? And so we've got to deal with death first before we can say, now let's, let's do the abundant life. And that'll be our focus uh, this evening and tomorrow as well. I invite you to do something miraculous at 942 on a Saturday morning. I invite you without further ado to stand, watch this without speaking, without speaking. Stand uh, without speaking, please and thank you. And be reminded of last night's Momo. And if you uh, have forgotten, can you hear me okay? Is this loud enough, everybody okay? Yep, thanks for coming. Yes. Momo last night was simply our theme, right? One life to live. And then we simply say what? Let's go. Right, right, exactly. Here's another one. This is a classic from the uh, Hall of Fame of Momo Nation. I want you to imagine this reality of death. Reality of death. I want you to think of making an X. There's freedom in how you do it. You can do your left arm first or your right arm first. You didn't need to know that. But anyway, here's what I want to say. We're going to simply say death, and then you're going to cross it like this, like an X, if you will. Death abolished. I love that. Do you hear me? This, this morning, this morning, this morning's not a word. This morning, do you hear me when I say to you that death has been abolished? So we're going to start that way. And you can say it in like kind of a deep voice. I can't do much with mine today, but you can just say it strong if you want to. Death abolished. I like that. Somebody over there. Thank you. All right. And then here's what we're going to do. There's part two. I mean, these momos are loaded this weekend. I mean, you are spoiled. Okay, part two is this. We're doing death abolished, and then we're doing a vertical out of 45 with a little bit of this, with the little digits of yes. We're going to do that, and you're going to say life. And then you're going to break out this one. So at the end, we have hands in the air like you just don't care. And we're doing digits like this too, all right? And so we're going to say, life eternal. Eternal. And when you say eternal, when you say life eternal and you're doing this like you're really happy, why don't you display that? Because you can be certain of life eternal. So what's the two-part Momo? Death abolished. Life eternal. Gerald, that's a little much this morning, bro. I mean, seriously, tone it down. I'm kidding you. I love it. Bring it, brother. Okay, let's put them both together. We're going to put them both together, Gerald. Okay, here we go. Ready? Three, two, one. One life to live. Let's go. Death abolished life eternal here's an amazing thing you can sit down without saying a word I love that be great if we could get a picture next time we do that Momo of everybody's hands in the air with the digits digiting yes that's a lovely thing 
Here's what I want to do with you this morning for a few moments. I don't know what time I'm supposed to be done, and that's preferred. But I want to, I want to share with you honestly my favorite passage to go to. My favorite passage to go to that reminds us of the grand and glorious gospel, but also reminds us of this reality that death has been destroyed. It's been abolished. It's been taken care of. And, and life and immortality has been brought to light through the gospel. You see, before we get after living life to the fullest, before we get after the abundant life, we got to be able to deal with death. And so let's deal. Let's deal. Father, help us, I pray. Help us to be able to turn, every one of us, on our own, without coaching, prompting, without asking somebody else to do it for them, may we all get to the point in place where we're able to say, here's what the Bible says. It's our absolute authority. It's truth. It's the word of God. And here's what God says about life. And here's what God says about death. And so I pray, Father, that these young people, they might have a grasp and a reality and a confidence, not in them, but in what you say, Father, and what your son has done for us. May we see this very morning that all throughout scripture, there are passages, sections of scripture that remind us of the good and grand and glorious gospel, that Christ Jesus died for our sins and rose again. And I pray that we might see that clearly again this morning and that we might celebrate it. Life eternal, are you kidding me? We thank you that we can know for certain where we will spend it. Death is reality, but so is life and life abundant now and glory to come. And so I pray that these young people might have all that straight in their minds and hearts, not based upon the way they might feel, but based upon fact and where they place their faith. And so we just ask that you would move and folks might see clearly how death has been dealt with and life and immortality has been brought. We thank you for bringing it in and through your son, Jesus. We pray in his name, amen. I invite you to turn your Bibles with me just for a few moments. Second Timothy, Second Timothy chapter one. What are we doing? I'm gonna tell you, I'll remind you just in case you've forgotten, the theme of the weekend is one life to live. And I wanna to talk to you about that. I wanna to talk to you about how we can live the abundant life. That's gonna be our, our core focus in Central Passage, Romans 6, one through 14. You've been encouraged to own it, memorize it. We're gonna look at that together, but we have to establish some key facts first. And so life, the Lord Jesus has come that we might have life and might have it abundantly. A lot of people say, here's the meaning to life. Here's how you can have purpose, significance, uh, uh, delight in your life. And they fail. Those systems fail. But Lord Jesus says, I've come to give you life and to give it to you to the fullest abundantly. But we need to figure out how to deal with death first. This is a section where, listen to me, watch this. This blows my mind. I actually have been speaking at a church in Nashville the last three Sundays about several passages, several passages that have to do with the grand and glorious gospel that are written to believers. 
You see, we have to remember what the gospel is. We're forgetful folks. And so Paul wrote to Titus and Paul wrote to Timothy and, and Peter the same. And they say to believers, don't forget about what the gospel is. I would venture to say that if I asked you to stand and tell me what the gospel is, some of you would struggle to biblically articulate a definition of the gospel. 1 Corinthians 15 is a great place to turn to figure out and see clearly what the gospel is. The four verbs of the gospel, Christ died, was buried, rose again, and was seen. The gospel in summary, form, and fashion, that Christ died for you and rose again. But there are passages after passages that just describe that sweet truth. And so here's one of them. And so I want to talk to two groups of people right now, just for a moment. If you're a Christian and you know it, if you're someone who has already trusted in Christ, listen to me now this Saturday morning. When you see this truth, you ought to be so elated and delighted that you can hardly contain yourself. That's what I'm saying to you right now. This shouldn't be old news. This shouldn't be boring. This shouldn't be just so familiar to you that you're like, oh, hum. When you see this story, God's plan of salvation, it ought to bring joy and delight to your life such to the extent that you want to say, you know what? I want to say thank you. I want to express to you my gratitude. I want to live the rest of my short time on the planet for you in light of what you've done for me. And so if you're a Christian here this morning, don't think, and don't think, don't think for a minute, I already know this. We are supposed to hear this time and time again so we might surrender and express gratitude and live lives of worshipful expressions. I hope you're not over the gospel. We should never get over it. So if you know the Lord Jesus as your savior, I, I trust that you will celebrate and delight in the gospel as we see it this morning. If you don't, hear me say this to you now. This section that we'll look at, these verses, provide you the information you need to know in regards to who Christ is and what he's done and how you can have eternal life in him. How you can be certain that your eternal destiny is secure. So Paul's at the end of his life. He knows it. He's dying. He tells us that in this writing. This is like his last will and testament. And he's writing to his son in the faith, Timothy. And you know what he wants Timothy to be and do? He wants Timothy to uh, join with him and others in suffering for the cause of Christ. He says it. Join in suffering with me. But he also says, don't you dare. Don't you dare. Don't you dare be ashamed of me. Don't you dare be ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ and his testimony. So he calls out Timothy and he says, you need to be unashamedly willing to suffer. And then you know what, what he says? Here's why. And then he goes right into the, the power of the gospel message. I want you to see it with me. 2 Timothy chapter, chapter 1, verse 8. I just shared with you um, what you see in verse eight, but let's see it there together so we understand it. Therefore, when you see that word, you're supposed to ask and answer, well, <laughs> what is the therefore, therefore, in light of what was said in verses one through seven, he says, in light of that, listen to me, two things, look at, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner. He's talking to his kindred spirit, Timothy, his son in the faith, but the pressure is on. Christians were being persecuted. It wasn't easy 
to follow hard after Christ. And so he says, don't be ashamed of what Christ has done and don't be ashamed about what I'm doing and what I'm preaching and what I'm proclaiming. So choice number one is to not be ashamed. Decision number one, don't be ashamed. Decision number two, look at it with me, but join with me in suffering. So I'm asking you, why in the world should Timothy, why in the world should we be willing to say, I'm in too? I won't be ashamed. I won't be ashamed of Jesus Christ, and I won't be ashamed of others who are all in following after Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, I'll suffer. I'll do whatever he wants. Why in the world should we do that? Why should we, like Timothy, say, I'm in? Why should we listen to what Paul is saying here and say, I won't be ashamed of Christ or other followers of Christ, and I'll go through whatever he wants me to go through. I don't care what it is. Why? You want to know why? Because of the gospel. And so Paul's writing, and he says to his son in the faith, Timothy, don't be ashamed and join in suffering with me. And then he, and then he frames, whew, he frames the gospel in a couple of verses so beautifully. I'm telling you, this is my go-to. When I want to be reminded of the gospel and I want to be reminded of how death has been dealt with, I go here. Where do you go? Show me today. I dare you. Show me today. Bring your Bible and say, here's where I go. Maybe you go to John 5, 24. It's a simple verse. But the moment you believe, you pass from death to life. Done. It's a transaction. It's a great passage to turn to. Where do you go to deal with death and to be sure of eternal life? Listen to what he says at the end of verse 8. Are you with me? 2 Timothy 1, the end of verse 8, he says, but join with me in suffering. Why? For the gospel, according to the power of God. And then you know what he does in 9 and 10? He explains the gospel again. <laughs> explains the gospel again to somebody who already knew it. But understand this, we cannot lose sight of the gospel because the gospel motivates us to live surrendered lives. The gospel motivates us to partake in the abundant life that is offered in Christ alone. And so notice what he says about the gospel. The gospel according to the power of God. Here's how he starts. He says, this is God who's done this. God who saved us. That's a loaded phrase. We recognize it. We recognize in that phrase that it's God who takes the initiative. He's the one who does the saving. I'm not going to save you. You're not going to save anybody else. It's a work that's done on your behalf by somebody else. God who saved us. Now, I want to ask you the question. But if you're a believer or unbeliever, I'm asking all of you this question. Do you know what the word saved means? I mean, really, do you? We talk about salvation. We ask and answer the question, hey, are you saved? Are you not saved? Do you know what in the world the word salvation means? The idea of salvation, the concept behind salvation is this idea of, of being rescued, this idea of being delivered from something. And so there's a concept that, that we don't think much about, and we surely don't view this the way God views it as often as we should. There's a concept called sin. Sin. We all have sinned and fallen short of God's standard of sinlessness. And because of that sin, we are born enslaved to, to it, owned by it, and we need to be rescued. We need to be delivered. And so God says this, guess what? I'm going to do that for you. 
I'm going to provide you a means by which you, who are a sinner, and because of that sin deserve double death, I'm going to provide a way for you to be rescued and delivered. All brought to you by God. It's his plan. God's plan is to save us. So whenever you see the word save, think about the reality of being rescued or delivered from something, out of something. And that is our enslavement to sin. When you are born, when I am born, we are owned by sin. We are enslaved to sin. And God's plan of salvation is a plan to rescue us and deliver us from something, sin. But what's it go on to say? What's the next part of the grand and glorious gospel in this, these two verses? Look at it. He saves us from something, but he also saves us to something. Who saved us, rescued, delivered us, and called us with a holy calling. So I want you to understand this. God's plan of salvation is twofold. It's to deliver you from sin, but it's also to call you to a standard of holiness. And matter of fact, the moment you trust in Christ, you are declared that, righteous, in and through what Christ has done. And so God's plan for you, hear me, hear me when I say this to you, part of the abundant life is that he wants you to be rescued from, and delivered from sin, but called to a holy and righteous calling. Now here's what happens, listen to me. Some of you get the first part and that's really concerning to you, but you forget the second part. Some of you are, are confident of the fact that you don't want to spend eternity in the lake of fire, so you accept this free gift of salvation. You're rescued and delivered from something, but you forget that you're also called to something at the same time, and that's no longer living for yourself. I want to ask you this question. 10 o'clock, I'm asking you this question. Have you come to the point in your life where you've made a decision, and the decision is this. I'm no longer going to live for myself, but I wanna live for the one who died for me and rose again. Have you made that decision? I know some of you, and I know some of you haven't made that decision as a believer. A decision to say, you know what? I appreciate so much the grand and glorious gospel that I am making the decision, I'll make it again tomorrow, that I'm no, no longer gonna live for me. It's no longer about me. It's not my focus that matters. I wanna live for the one who died for me and rose again. Have you made that decision? This would be a great day. You know, there's revival taking place all over the country. Wouldn't it be a great thing today for some of you to say, you know what, I've been playing games. And so today I'm gonna to say, I'm, I'm no longer gonna live for myself, but I wanna live for the one who died for me and rose again. We've been saved, we've been rescued, we've been delivered from something, but we've been saved and rescued and delivered to something. And that's a holy and righteous calling. I shared with some of you a verse in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 17, that says, you know what? The rest of our time on the planet, guess what? We should live in fear, bless you. The rest of our time on the planet, we should conduct ourselves in fear of our holy and righteous God and we should live in response to his holiness. We're too casual and too comfy cozy with sin and we've forgotten that the finished work of Christ, the finished work of Christ, what he did on the cross 
provided rescuing and deliverance from sin, but also a holy and righteous calling. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you, what's your reaction to these verses today? I want you to, I want you to, in just a moment, unashamedly, just respond. Here's my reaction to these sweet verses about the grand and glorious gospel. We've only just begun. Watch this. Who saved us and called us with a holy calling. And this is what I want you to hear and see loud and clear. Not according to our works. Not according to our works. It's not what you have done. You can't earn your salvation. You're not good enough. Never will you be good enough. That's why you needed someone else to rescue you. Amen? Not according to our own works. Not according to our own deeds. You can't do anything to merit his favor. We sometimes sing I stand upon thy merit, your merit. I have no other place to stand. Not according to our deeds has he done this. It's not up to us, any of it. It's his work. And when you realize it's his work, it ought to cause some kind of allegiance, some kind of response to say, I can't even get over it. You've done this for me. You've saved me and called me. And it's not up to me. It's not according to my works. But what is it according to? Look at it. See it from the text. See it from God's word. Not according to our works. Watch this. But according to his, that's God's, own purpose. He had a plan. Had a plan. Had, our God is the God of plan, purpose, and promise. And part of his plan was to rescue and deliver us. So according to his own purpose, and what else? Grace, unmerited, undeserved favor, which was granted. That word granted is a giving word. We have an infinitely benevolent God. He's generous. He's giving. He's granting. And his plan, his plan was to provide rescue, deliverance, and calling. All of it is his doing. You didn't come up with it. You can't muster up enough goodness in order to have such a gift. It's his doing. It's his work, not according to our works, but according to his plan, according to his purpose, according to his grace, which was granted us, watch this, don't miss this, was granted us in whom? Tell me what it says. In, in my translation, New American Standard, it says, in Christ Jesus. What was granted us in Christ Jesus? This, this grace, this purpose, this calling, this deliverance, all brought to you in and by and through Jesus Christ. Now watch the next phrase. You're not even going to believe it. But listen to what it says. From all eternity. Some of your translations might say uh, from eternity past. Here's God's plan, a plan of graciousness, a plan that is a granting plan, a plan of generosity to provide us rescue and deliverance from something to something in the holy and righteous calling. And this plan has been in place, period. <laughs> it's been in place from eternity past, from all eternity. But this is what I want you to get and not, and not miss. We've got plenty of time. Here's what I want you to see. 
when Jesus Christ was born, when Jesus Christ walked on this planet, when Jesus Christ came from heaven to earth, that whole reality was part of God's plan. And so when Christ showed up, the incarnation, Merry Christmas, the advent, advent means to appear. And so when Jesus Christ came from heaven to earth and appeared, that plan that was in place for all eternity was coming together. I can't get over that. That thrills my heart. This eternal plan to rescue and deliver me, rescue and deliver you from something to something was in place in light of all eternity, but came together when Jesus Christ came from heaven to earth, when he appeared, when he died, when he was buried and rose again. What a sweet plan. What a sweet plan. I know I've shared this here before, and I'm happy to share it again for lots of reasons. It's awesome, but you forget, and so here it comes, right? Um, I grew up in the 80s, right? Well, you didn't know that, but I did. And in that particular time period, the original show that I'm referencing was entitled The A-Team. Now, I know there's been a movie that was uh, made in light of the original show. Never is it as good. The A-Team had four individuals or characters. How many remember watching any of the original? Any? Thank you for coming, those who are uh, in my age bracket. And so, listen, there are four characters, right? I'm not going to give you all four of them. Mr. T was one of them. I pity the fool, Mr. T. But uh, thank you. Uh, at the end, hi, at the end of the show, every time, you know what happened? At the end of the show, the leader of the pack, they had a problem to solve every time, really creative idea. Problem to solve every time, and they solved it every time. Amazing, right? But at the end of the show, the leader of the A-team made this expression. I love it. And this is what he says. I love it when a plan comes together. I love it when a plan comes together. Before you were ever on the planet, God had a plan to rescue and deliver you from sin. Before you were ever, God had a plan to rescue and deliver you. And that plan was made possible in and through Jesus Christ, dying on the cross for your sins, being buried and rising again. And Paul says to Timothy, as he's about to die, Paul's about to die, and he says to Timothy, don't you forget that that plan came together when Jesus showed up. Listen to how he says it. But now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus. And so I just want to ask you, what was accomplished? When Christ Jesus showed up, and realize Christ Jesus has no beginning. He is the eternally existent son of God. What did have a beginning was his life on earth. But the Lord Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man, yet without sin, never had a beginning, eternally existent. But when he showed up on the planet, God's eternal plan of salvation, full of grace and full of granting generosity, came together. And so when he died, when he was buried, when he rose again, that was the pinnacle moment of the plan coming together. And Paul says, you know what happened as a result? Death was abolished. I want you to understand that. 
It's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. Guess what? When Christ came, when he died, when he was, a bar- when he was buried, death, the reality of death because of sin was destroyed. It was abolished. We don't have to fear it. We don't have to be worried about it. We don't have to be concerned about it because we can turn to the page and see that Christ Jesus dealt with death. It's been abolished. I told some of the Tri-State kids uh, recently about a guy named Earl. Earl, one of our clients in his 90s, called me one night. He lives on the East Coast, Steubenville, Steubenville, Ohio. And Earl called me late. It was like 11 o'clock his time. And I'm like, what in the world? I'm not picking up the phone. But I called him the next day. And he's 90. And he said, Jonathan, some people call me that. I don't mind. He said, Jonathan, listen, I want you to know my wife has died. And I'm, I'm, I miss her so. We were almost married for 68 years. And he proceeded to, you know what he proceeded to tell me? Her testimony. And his testimony. He proceeded to tell me about the grand and glorious gospel when he realized that Christ died for him. He was miserable. He was sad. He was lonely. But he had hope. He was grieving, but not without hope. A 90-year-old man crying on the other, uh, other uh, end of the line. Line, what are you talking about? I'm crying on the phone. Desperate because life is hard. And yet he says, Jonathan, I know I have hope. You know why he has hope? Because death was abolished. It was taken care of for his wife. It was taken care of for him and his children and others who have trusted in Christ. Death was abolished. What was brought? When Christ took care of this, we call it his finished work. When Christ died on on the cross for our sins and rose again, what else took place? Death was abolished. That's not all. What does it say that was brought? Bring it. What did he bring? Notice it who abolished death and brought what? Life. (laughs) One life to live, sports fans. Listen to me. That life is found in and through Christ. He not only abolished death, but he brought life. And what else? Immortality to light through what? The gospel. If you read on, I won't, you, you won't perhaps, but if you were to, Paul says, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. That's why I preach. That's why I teach. That's why I'm an apostle because of the grand and glorious message of what Christ has done for me. Death has been abolished and he brought with him life and immortality. Let me say this to you. You're gonna spend eternity somewhere. You're gonna spend eternity somewhere. Whether you wanna think about it or not, it's a fact, it's reality. You're gonna spend eternity somewhere. And I want to ask you, where are you going to spend it? Do you know without doubt and certainty where you're going to spend eternity? Every one of you, I don't care what your circumstances are, what you've done, what you haven't done. Every one of you has the opportunity right now at 1013 to think long and hard about this. And if the answer is, I'm not sure. Or if the answer is, I know that I'm not going to spend eternity in glory with God and other believers forever Today's the day to deal. Let's deal. Why would you not? What are you waiting for in order to have death 
taken care of in your circumstances. I closed last night by saying, how are you gonna deal with death? You know how you deal with death? Trust in the one who abolished it for you. And realize that he's brought life and immortality to light through the gospel so you can have now the abundant life and you can look forward to the best that is yet to come. And so here we are, closing session two, dealing with two big fat concepts. How are you gonna deal with death? And once death has been dealt with in and through the finished work of Christ, how are you gonna go about living? How are you gonna go about getting after this holy and righteous calling that you have been called to? That's where we're gonna go in Romans 6, one through 14. We're gonna understand how to do the abundant life, how to live the abundant life. And I, I promise you this, some of you aren't doing that. Some of you are settling for emptiness and stuff that will not and does not satisfy. And you know it. So what's stopping you from saying, you know what? I want Christ and I want the abundant life that is in him. I'm gonna be around. I would love to chat. I'd love for you to say, here's how I deal with death. Show me the passage. Feel free to show me the passage, how you deal with eternal life as well. Love to talk to you about these things today. That's why I'm here. I might go grab a coffee, but that's why I'm here. Let's pray. You know what? I forgot to ask you, Tony, I'm going to ask. Sorry about that little pause. What's your reaction to the gospel? Just real quick. Anybody, if you're a leader, if you're seasoned, if you're old like me or older, what's your reaction to this gospel passage? Or if you're a young person and you love it and you can't get over it, what's your reaction? Just one word, would you mind? Just to encourage us. What's your reaction to it? Any, anyone react? To nine and 10 especially? I'd love, love to hear from you. Just let, let us hear it now. Thankfulness. Thankfulness. I heard that. Freedom. Freedom. Did somebody say wonder? Love that. Wonder, freedom, joy, inspirational hope tell me more okay let's go what else comes to mind what's your reaction it is ray isn't it power kidding me what's your reaction to the grand and glorious gospel two verses nine and ten second timothy one what's your reaction i'm asking you get one wow it is that it's awe-inspiring isn't it Rocket fuel? Is that what you said? Ray, you're done, Sharon. I mean, come on. That's, I'm with you. Fantastic. No, I love it. It is the fuel that launches. Come on now. What was over here? I heard something. Loved. We are loved perfectly. Some of you, some of you have a hard time accepting that. But you're loved perfectly by the one who sought you and bought you with his redeeming blood. Any other reaction to the grand and glorious gospel? One more time, Gin, give it to me. Joy juice in the gizzard. Say deep, deep, down, down in the soul. Love it. Joy juice in the gizzard. Are you kidding me? That'll preach. Anybody else? Praise God. Thank you. What would you say, Titus? Assurance. I love that. I'm going to ask you today. I'm going to come up to you today and say, what's your reaction to it? I am going to. I'm coming. I want to know your reaction. Be ready. Be ready. Any others today? 
Acceptance. Yeah, you believe it, right? You believe it. <laughs> I do too. It's what faith is all about. Oh, you people, we love you. We want you to know how to deal with death, but also to experience the abundant life. Crazy train. Father, help us. Spirit, work in our minds and hearts. Convict. Some of these hearts are frozen, and only you can melt. So we just pray that you would do something, and we get out of your way. In Jesus' name, amen.